This audio production is brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com, David Wolf's premium longevity member site. The content found on TheBestDayEver.com from David Wolf and New Horizon Health, Inc. is for informational purposes only and is in no way intended as medical advice, as a substitute for medical counseling, or as treatment cure for any disease or health condition, and nor should it be construed as such because that would be illegal. Always work with a qualified health professional before making any changes to your diet, supplement use, prescription drug use, lifestyle, or exercise activities. Please understand that you assume all risks from the use, non-use, or misuse of this information. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Lucian Gothier, and I am here with Dr. Gregory Melvin, and he is a doctor at the La Mesa Clinic for Total Thermal Imaging, and he's going to be joining us with his crew at the Women's Wellness Conference, and we're really excited to have you, Dr. Gregory, because this is something that we've wanted for a long time. We've heard about thermal imaging, thermography for quite some time. David's really been into it, and now we have an expert here to talk with us a little bit about uh, what it is and also to kind of let our audience members know what they can expect at the conference, so it's really wonderful to have you on the show today. Well, it's great to be be with you. I, I'm, I hope that I share uh, much of the uh, the excitement that we have about infrared and how it ties into so much of what health is all about. And uh, it's not only being able to see what it is that that people are doing, but how they're feeling well represented with uh, thermography. So I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of this uh, in sharing something that sometimes is just not clear enough about actually what thermography does and, and certainly what it doesn't do. Well, let's clear that up for our audience members because I know a lot of people who are into alternative health and nutrition don't know a lot about thermal imaging. Also, a lot of Western doctors, a lot of Western medical uh, practitioners do not know a lot about thermography and yeah. often kind of poo-poo it as something that's not very effective. So let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about what thermal imaging is, how it works, how it's reading the body, and then how that translates into getting some kind of a, a health diagnosis in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, I think what recognizing that, first of all, just taking pictures of heat is not what thermography is. Basically, you have to recognize the history of how the body is developing. So from fetal, the tissue that produces the or controls the skin is the same tissue that is controlled by the central nervous system. So basically, the central nervous system is hot-wired to that skin layer for good reason, because in order to produce a proper internal environment, you have to recognize what's on the outside. And so it uses the skin to identify what the environment is outside of the body, so then it can prepare itself internally to set up a proper environment, so then to keep the body working properly. So simply, you have to recognize that this is a autonomic survey study. Basically, the autonomic nervous system is what controls the blood supply to every muscle, organ, and gland, but it also controls the skin surface. So when something goes wrong underneath uh, to that muscle, organ, and gland, then it produces a change in skin temperatures that uh, well represents that distress that that organ is under. Do you then need a baseline thermal imaging to compare to, or if someone walks into your office for the first time and there's already something wrong, are you able to identify that and distinguish it from like the usual norms, or does that person need to give you a baseline of when they're healthy first so that you can see a difference between the baseline and what they might be experiencing now? 
Well, I, I think you have to go back where uh, John Hopkins University, Sumio Uramatsu, MD, did a study regarding what what is what is the norm, what, what is considered the norm regarding skin temperatures of the body. And in his research, it was found that anything more than 0.3 degree Celsius different between one side and the other is considered a significant finding. Well, that's almost looking like a, a mirror image of yourself from one side to the other. So the standard of infrared is basically what we call the delta, delta T, meaning we're comparing one side to the other, and the more different that it is, whether it's higher or lower temperatures, are considered significant findings, whether it's a neuropathy or nerve-related disorder or inflammatory features that are affecting periodontal-type uh, issues, or are they lymph node-related activities. So the first baseline study, basically we're comparing you to you, and the more different that it looks, then there are significant issues that we can see at the beginning phases, even though there has been no prior history. Okay, great. And Dr. Melvin, one of the things that thermal imaging is known for is using that scan technology for breast cancer and breast health issues as an alternative to, say, mammograms or other type of more invasive, maybe even dangerous diagnostic techniques used. So can you tell us where you see thermal imaging fitting in in comparison to some of those other methods, specifically where it comes to identifying things like breast cancer? Well, I think, first of all, you have to recognize that thermography is, is not a geographically accurate type of imagery. It, it's more of a physiological, functional type of testing protocol. Um, the imaging is, is a reflexive. Basically, the autonomic nervous system changes the skin temperatures uh, as like a reflex when something is wrong underneath. Now, meaning this is when vascular changes that appear aggressive related to tumors. Now, there are tumors like DCIS that are non-aggressive type of tumors that don't show thermal markers. And in, in many cases, because those types of tumors frequently at 96% of the time are non-aggressive type tumors. So I think what we have to discern about what our interest in thermography has more to do with aggressive behavior. Now, uh, in many cases, cancer does exist, but the body has phases of what it does with it. Uh, some of them, well, the body will attack those cells where other cases, it basically will encapsulate and restrict its aggressive behavior. Well, the beauty of infrared is it has a, a, a great discernment between aggressive behavior and non-aggressive behavior. So then you're doing things that are helping the patient rather than doing something that uh, inevitably does, does not help the patient at the end. I think it's, it's not as, as important to know where these things are, but how they're acting. Okay, and tell us about some of the experiences you've had with thermal imaging that's really kind of surprised you or shocked you over the years. You've been doing this for well over 20 years. You help other people in this area of expertise get certified. So you have a lot of knowledge, a lot of, you know, a lot of history and experience with this. What are some of the things where you've really kind of seen thermal imaging shine over other types of diagnostic tools? 
Yeah, I, I think what what you're you're finding is infrared. The way that I was looking at infrared in the in ninety ninety one when I first learned about thermography is not the way I look at thermography today. The the clarity of the imaging has changed significantly, and then also the points of view regarding what what are we really seeing regarding infrared. Some of the basic fundamentals regarding inflammation, lymphatic congestion, um, estrogen dominance are are the characteristics that regarding breast cancer is what are the precursors that. You can't see with the mammogram that you can't see with an MR that you can't see with with um, with any other type of testing other than with with infrared. But then the integrative features regarding how does the breast and its environment allow cancer to exist? Well, much of that is the ability of the blood and lymph to exit properly from the breast, and also it has to do with how how well that blood gets out has to do with muscular contractive characteristics around the neck area that influence improper flow of blood and lymph back into the system. So we had no idea that the diaphragm and its influence regarding blood flow from the lower body directly to the heart, that the body reroutes this blood and lymph up along the sides of the chest wall into the armpit, from the armpit into the neck, uh, back into the subclavian vein, and then it goes back to the heart. Well, these facets of increased workload to the heart is directly related to proper diaphragm movement. Well, that had to do with posture and balance, and also had to do with proper control by what's called the phrenic nerve, which is the nerve that comes out of the base of the neck that controls that contractive characteristic of the diaphragm. So this integrative feature uh, with the aid of infrared is that we can put a lot of the dots together that we had no idea were influencing environment regarding proper health. Okay, fantastic. So it sounds like it's a real great precursor to maybe even uh, the diagnostic step, which is to find out what's wrong. This seems to give you an indication of where maybe metabolically and other ways the body is getting out of sync a little bit. Would that be accurate? Yeah, that's exactly. So it's a it's a biological, it's a metabolic type of testing tool that many of these other tools, uh, imaging systems, have apparently are not even concerned about regarding these characteristics. And then we integrate that with posture. And so you're running plumb line evaluations on full spines where the patient is sitting or standing and evaluating their ability to balance themselves. And then you're surveying the electrical system, the central nervous system, to see if it's shorted or not. So much of infrared is being used in in industrial formats, analyzing buildings to determine their their hazards regarding fires because of shorting um, by analyzing their panels, their electrical panels. So it's the same thing with the body. We're examining its electrical panel to determine how well is it communicating with the rest of the body. And what are some of the top things that people are coming in to have examined when they do thermal imaging? What are their concerns? What are they looking for? Is there an area where thermal imaging is ideal, or can it be used for a wide variety of health conditions? Well, originally, when we were examining in, in the 90s, early 90s, had more to do with RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is simply 
a compromising effect to the autonomic nervous system where people that were injured, they would do nerve conduction testing that were found to be ineffective regarding autonomic disorders. So the patient was would obviously come in with pain, uh, would do a nerve conduction testing which showed that the patient was normal, but yet from the autonomic survey, the thermogram would identify significant disorders that were very consistent with the patient's symptoms. So some of the most common ailments like sprains or strains, which you can't see on an MRI or a CT scan or an x-ray, is well demonstrated with the thermogram. Neuropathies like RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, also are features that you cannot see with an MRI or CT scan or x-ray. So, so much of the common ailments, like a sprain or a strain, uh, let's say of the foot, that you couldn't discern the difference between plantar fasciitis and a neuropathy with any of the examining tools out there. But with a thermogram, they are absolutely clear what the difference is between a neuropathy and plantar fasciitis. Usually with thermal imaging, people have the idea that, you know, the more red, the worse you are. You know, if you see a lot of red or heat in a, in, in a, in a scan, you get kind of nervous, like, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on. What is the repercussion of being hot versus being cold? Can being too cool also indicate that there's a problem as well? Yeah, yeah I think it's it's not only is it hot, higher or lower temperature, but the characteristic of the temperature, for example, over the abdomen, when they're more spotted, lymphatic-related, they have a characteristic that is consistent with the body part that's involved. So if the ascending colon has inflammatory characteristics related to it, you'll basically see somewhat of a, a uh, ascending or uh, descending colon outline of its inflammatory characteristics, let alone gallbladders that don't tend to dump uh, properly. will show a, a higher temperature, if you will, uh, where um, colder temperatures frequently are just as significant regarding neuropathies. Both are important. It's their pattern, their location, and what is the characteristic um, that it has um, as far as heat, pattern, not just being hot and not just being cold, but where it is and how symmetrical it is with the opposing side. So we're always comparing you to you in the imaging. So it gives us a, more of a specificity regarding that individual's function rather than the a national average, if you will. Now, you're going to be joining us at our upcoming Women's Wellness Conference, and that's taking place September 19th to the 21st. And we also have the Monday with David Wolf, where he's going to be doing some yoga meditation and some Q&A. You're going to be joining us. You guys are going to have a booth there, and you're going to be doing thermal imaging for our participants. You're going to have that available for everyone. Let our audience know what they can expect. What do they need to do if they're interested in doing thermal imaging? Is it just a matter of showing up and, you know, do you do it with your clothes on? Do you have to take your clothes off? Let's walk people through kind of how the actual scan works. When we're doing the, the imaging, it, it has to be a controlled environment where the temperatures are between 68 to 72 degrees. The size of the room is such that it, it can't be too small, but yet, um, I mean, it can be too small where it needs to be somewhere between an 8 by 8 by 10 area. You can't have natural light entering the, the area because as, as uh, infrared 
uh, is influenced by the um, heat radiation from from light. So it needs to be a the type of lighting needs to be of a fluorescent lighting uh, to do a proper image. But when we're doing spot views out uh, and about, we're when we're doing just face views in the public, we're at the show here, we'll initially do a spot view of the face, compare the left side to the right side. We're identifying sinus-related disorders very quickly, very easily, periodontal findings, very easy to see with infrared throat, um, sinus drainage, irritation along the throat. Uh, thyroids, if they're enlarged, very easy to identify um, headache-type syndromes, very easy to see over the forehead. So we're looking for multiple facets, TMJ disorders, easy to see. These are uh, just a wide range of just looking at the face that that these individuals will have an opportunity to get a picture taken of the face, will review their their face images so they get a, a sense of what the imaging is, is doing. And certainly as, as we're doing it in front of others, we're not radiating them, we're not radiating others uh, to do the procedure. And so it's a very safe, very informative. And then if they choose to do a more extensive study, then we have to to have them come into a, an environment where we can properly evaluate them. All right, fantastic. It sounds like our audience is in for a real treat. And we're excited to share it. I mean, and it's so revealing about the, themselves. And then uh, so often people have symptoms that are intermittent, but frequently they don't have to have those symptoms occurring at the time of the imaging because frequently the autonomic nervous system uh, is has those issues on an ongoing basis. It's just that they become more acute is when they become more apparent where tomography um, can give us more of an insight of why are they happening rather than that they're just having that symptom. And what got you into this? What kind of, uh, you know, sparked your interest and then what made you pursue it as something really valuable in terms of a, a, a health paradigm? Well, you know, back in, in, in those days, I was doing a lot of radiology with the aid of color enhancement. Uh, basically, I was digitizing films in those, in the early days and colorizing them because I was more interested of the subtle precursors to muscular skeletal disorders um, b- before they were more apparent. And so I think much of our our health practitioners are waiting for conditions to be so acute that they can be um, diagnosed uh, more apparently, where thermography doesn't necessarily need a diagnostic characteristic because it's, it's more of an analytical tool where some of the things you may not have a name for it, but it's not working right. So sometimes knowing a name for it is usually too late rather than we could have done something earlier. Well, thank you so much for taking part of your day to speak with us. We really look forward to seeing you at the Women's Wellness Conference. It's going to be a colorful event. David Wolf's going to be uh, talking about the color pigments of foods and antioxidants. You're going to have the thermal imaging looking at the different colors uh, taking place in the body. So this this is going to be a really, really interesting event. It's shaping up to, to cover a lot of different fascinating uh, aspects of health. And uh, color seems to be number one so far. So this will be really interesting. No doubt. Uh, we are excited to be a part of your, your group, and um, we'll, we'll bring the color. This program was brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com. Thanks for listening.